Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies Podcast. This is the very first episode of the Spin Chagrin. Uh, this is a concept we've talked about over the course of the past couple of podcasts we've done, but this is the first official episode. So I'm one of your co-hosts for this supplemental podcast. And um, my name is Chris Gasberry and my co-host. Uh, this is Frank Pelican. And Frank, do you want to explain the concept before we get into your summary and review of this first movie? Um, so every week, Chris is going to spin the Wheel of Chagrin and come up with a very either very vague movie topic or very specific movie topic and then i have to find a movie that exists that i have not seen that meets that topic i watch it and then we come back the following week i talk about the movie i give it a review and then it gets a uh, chagrin meter i think is what we called it or it goes on the chagrin scale yes uh, where it's either a zero which means it was an amazing movie instant classic can't believe how great it was to a 10 which is soul crushing and multiple times during my watching i felt like i needed to stop and do something else <laughs> and so this is another secret rule i've set for myself when i watch a spin chagrin movie barring medical emergency or some other kind of catastrophe I have to watch the movie in one sitting. Just sit there and then take it. Mm. That's I didn't know about that one. Yeah, I, I I felt like it was a I I came up with this while I was watching this movie because at least three or four times I thought I can't believe I'm fucking watching this. I just need to pick something else. But I'm forcing myself to hold the line and just see it through to the end. And I guess only what, for me. And 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 just since you're not the only one getting punished i what do we determine four you have four cards basically you can mm-hmm. pull on me at any point throughout the year where i also have to watch the movie yeah so this concept came from an idea i had what like a decade ago maybe a little more than that where every than... every american citizen should have four red cards that they carry with them and they renew every year and you can never know how many somebody has but for every red card you have, you can pull it out and then punch someone in the face without any repercussions. So I think that this would help to increase civility and decency among people, because if at any time someone could punch you really hard in the face and there's nothing you could do about it, you might want to slow your roll a little bit with being an asshole. So for me, these are my chagrin cards that I have where not that I ever want to punch Chris in the face or anything, but at least I can say, you know what? asshole like you get to experience this with me <laughs> four right. times in the next year so i'm um i'm gonna hold him close to the vest and we'll see we'll see what comes <laughs> or if i think it'd be really funny to make chris watch something terrible sure. if i kind of know right away what my what my movie's gonna be right but i don't hate you enough to to do it on this one so you got you got yeah out of you don't want to you know you don't want to blow them uh so we so the first episode here tonight is a movie involving hacking that frank has picked a movie and is going to discuss i do not know what the movie is whatsoever and remaining on the wheel the way this ended up coming about was that frank determined a number of just kind of i guess extemporaneous like off the wall genres things like anthropomorphic anthropomorphic animal hijinks sassy strippers things like that and he determined i think about 25 or 30 of these categories and then turned it over to me and our podcasting partners on the best 30 minutes podcast mike bledsoe and orion wellmaker and we fleshed out the rest of it so there's a lot of these categories that are on the wheel that frank has no idea what they are So it keeps some element of surprise here as well. We have 61 categories after today. We've got 51 weeks left. So some of these categories will never be touched upon. And at the end of the episode, we will go ahead. After we're done, we will spin the wheel and um, determine what next week's topic is and see what Frank comes up with. I think it's an interesting concept because once you have the genre, there are ways you could try to what, finagle to, it to yeah, finagle it to get a good movie out right. of it. Yeah, right. So I've also decided that all things being equal, I'm going to try and watch movies that will probably be funny to talk about as opposed to movies that will be 
really good and you know edifying to discuss so you're probably going to hear about a lot of shit over the next 52 weeks right well this was a replacement for our previous supplemental podcast the quick cage so that was the same thing yeah i'd be i become a movie masochist i guess yeah you really have recently yeah dude i watched this movie last night I'll, I'll i'll talk to you about it afterwards all right i don't know if it ever ends up anywhere but it's one of the worst things i've ever seen <laughs> all right so what movie involving hacking did you come up with and what did you watch so here was the challenge to this one because there's so many movies that have either hacking as a main premise or involve some element of a computer whiz that's brought in to hack some kind of system and i know there's a lot of those movies i haven't seen because it really is not interesting to me necessarily especially as a main plot point so i started looking around and i found a movie that is a sequel to a movie that i also don't like and i've never watched this movie because i figured it was just going to be like abject shit and um we'll talk about how right i was so the movie we're talking about this evening is the Lawnmower Man 2, Beyond <laughs> Cyberspace. Uh, it is a sequel in the least truest sense of the word, in the sense that only one character from the original movie returned, and it is uh, actor Austin O'Brien playing Peter Parkett, which is pretty funny now in the age of Spider-Man to have right. this kid as Peter Parkett instead of Peter Parker. So a direct sequel to the original Lawnmower Man, which takes place seriously... Well, it starts minutes after the end of the original Lawnmower Man and then jumps ahead in time, whatever the span of difference in years. So the original one is 92. This is 96. So just to briefly summarize the original Lawnmower Man, uh, there's a guy named Job who's probably autistic, but is presented in the movie as being mentally challenged, who is... Uh, experimented on by Pierce Brosnan and turned into a super genius and ends up going into the net into the computer super highway network matrix thing and becoming a god and is then beaten and killed in the virtual world oh no I'm sorry so he's locked into this virtual world through like money for nothing and your chicks for free level graphics <laughs> where he can't escape good description yeah. out of any of these exits and he blows up and dies. But here's the key is that he actually lived in his physical form. He just lost his legs. So in the original movie, shit, who is that that plays Job in the original? Is movie? it Jeff Fahey? It is. It's Jeff, yeah. Jeff Fahey. Fahey. So Fahey's not brought back and is instead replaced with Matt Frewer. Yes. And Matt Frewer is Matt Frewer should be sued by Jim Carrey for the most egregious ripoff of an actor shtick ever, because Matt Frewer is just basically Fire Marshal Bill the entire time in this movie, because that's how he presents his psychotic genius, I guess. So anyway, okay. Lawnmower Man takes place in the modern day in California and is, in all for all intents and purposes, normal 1992 with just some heightened computer technology. Four years later, apparently, the world has descended into the most boring dystopia ever, where people live in rail cars and they all live underground, and it's kind of Blade Runner-esque, but on a really tight budget. So... I don't know what that Build-A-Bear advertisement was, but that's some subtle, some subtle advertisement. You got <laughs> um, I was just looking up something real quick. So anyway, so Job is, is brought in to work for this company owned by this man who's trying to gain control of this thing called the Cryon chip. And the Cryon chip has the ability to dominate any network and basically all networks on the planet and turn... The person that controls it and basically the ruler of the world. Crying Ship was developed by this guy, um, uh, Benjamin Trace, who's played by Patrick Bergen. This dude 
has abandoned the cyber world to go and live as a hippie out in the desert. So Peter Parquet is friends with Job and is trying to help Job, but Job has gone completely batshit insane and manipulates Peter Parquet in order to go to Dr. Bergen or Dr. Trace to get him to help secure the cryon chip. So all this shit happens. All the while, there's some fucking side plot with this investigative journalist who gets a job at the company and is trying to find out like all these fucking dark secrets and Job continuously basically altering the rules of cyberspace. And trust me, it's like the worst cyberspace you've ever seen in your life. That's what I was trying to look up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's, um, it's 96. Let me think of an apt comparison. Is it better than the first one though? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. it's, it's definitely not dire straits level animation. Um, think about when you first got a PlayStation and you would see a cutscene, and you'd be like, oh my god, this is the most realistic shit I've ever seen. And then 10 years later, you were playing your PS3 and you realized that everything you saw on the PS1 was just garbage, right? So it's kind of okay, like it's, that. It's full motion video, right? Like kind of animation. Okay, yeah, yeah. like uh, with Wing, like Wing worlds, Commander, right? With worlds assembling around Joe yeah, as yeah. he mm-hmm. manipulates stuff in space. And goes rap, 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 rap. like he really does that several times as he makes the I can't even do the fire marshal bill, but I guess right or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes those noises because he's maniacal, because he's a genius and he's sadistic. Uh, so I don't know, man. There's this group of teenage hackers that lives underground and is always dipping into VR and they're VR addicts and there's these really funny scenarios where they they guess they didn't have the money for computer graphics. So they're standing in like a jungle and then a bike appears because they upload the bike protocol into the, into the net and they all get on bikes and they're riding bikes around. But I mean like motorcycles, not bikes. And it's just awful, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like it's imagine every lame idea that we had about what the future was going to be like. Not even lame idea, but every fantastical idea you had in the mid nineties about the future and then take all those ideas and make them terrible and put them all into one movie while stealing liberally from Blade Runner and the net and hackers and uh, I don't know. Predator kind of I don't Anyway. It's just bad. It's a bad movie. What happens? Oh, I mean, of course, they end up beating Job. They, ah, fuck, what does happen? They, they find out that Job has this access to this ultimate power but he doesn't realize that it's the ultimate power because he's built a wall around it and they try to go and confront him in his virtual city. Oh, their virtual goggles look like, um, uh, distributor caps, basically. Like they're just these like rubber squids that fit over their head. And then there's like goggles that go on. (laughs) Okay. And that's how they like, they hack into the net. Mm -hmm. So the fail safe kicks in and it destroys the virtual city and that causes some overload of shit to go back into job's brain that takes out all of his previous super genius that was granted to him by the experimentation by pierce brosnan and so they go to try and rescue his physical form because he's an idiot again and then the guy that owned the company that was trying to get control of the cryon chip tries to take Peter Parkett hostage and Job comes to his senses enough to like force a distraction so that old hippie computer programmer can assault the president of this company and knocks him onto an exposed wire. Then he dies. And then they take Job home because now, even though Job like basically tried to take over the world and murder all these people, he actually did succeed in murdering some people he's no longer a threat because now he's an idiot again. So 
they're just going to take care of them down in their underground subway abandoned subway treehouse i guess kind of i don't know Hmm. clubhouse clubhouse probably better word for it Hmm. so yeah so that's it some of the worst performances you'll ever see on film a completely unnecessary sequel to a movie that's pretty unnecessary to begin with because lawnmower man's no great shakes so as with the i used to do with the quick cage i've been sitting here trying to do some research just on things that I find interesting about this. Um, so the director of this, Farhad Man. So he directed, it looks like he directed his first ever directorial effort was an episode of Max Headroom, which I guess is the connection to Matt Frewer and how Matt Frewer ends up getting cast in this movie. He also directed, which I find interesting, only because of how prevalent this show seems to be in the um, early 2000s, is Forever Night. He directed, you you remember Forever Night, right? Yeah. The vampire detective show. Mm -hmm. He directed one called a TV movie called Nick Knight. That is the same concept. And CBS, it, it was a pi- supposed to be a pilot episode. Rick Springfield played the detective. Nice. <laughs> and then it got picked up by CBS. Um, but the show ended up being produced in Canada. They refilmed the pilot and it became Forever Night. And that's pretty much it. He directed some episodes of um, VIP. He has a long film history, but nothing pertinent. Like he's still directing the day, it looks like. So. With the connection to Matt Frewer, let me ask you this. You said that it's like an impersonation of Fire Marshal Bill. Is Fire Marshal Bill an impersonation of Max Headroom? Is he is is was Carrie stealing from Max Headroom, possibly? I don't know. I thought I don't know where Carrie pulled that from. Do you really feel it's like Max Headroom-ish? I feel like Carrie's facial expressions are a little like when he's laughing and stuff like that are a little Max Headroomish, maybe. I I mean, even if you think about like the way it was animated with like Max Headroom laughing, like the ha ha ha, you know, like it does feel like there's a little a bit, bit a bit a bit a bit. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I could see. So that's like a chicken or egg type thing. Um <clears throat> Is, I don't is think Matt Frewer copying Jim Carrey's Fire Marshal Bill, or is Jim Carrey's Fire Marshal Bill copying Matt Frewer's Max Headroom? Let me let me posit you a third theory. Okay. What if Matt Frewer is imitating Max Headroom so poorly that I think he's imitating Fire Marshal Bill? <laughs> Maybe. That's 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 certainly a possibility. Yeah, because man, it's um it's nightmarish like it's it's one of the worst performances honestly i've seen in a film that isn't super low budget 80s schlock horror you know what i mean like where they literally were just pulling some person off the street because they happen to live in the town that you know they were filming in whereas matt frewer fucking matt frewer was max hedron that's what i mean yeah right now yeah, that's what I'm saying. This Frank, can you describe to me? I have a I have a shot pulled up here that a screen cap from this movie where I guess Job's like face is being either ripped apart from the robotic net construct of him or being put together. One of the two. Can you describe what's happening in this scene? Uh, that's him taking over something when he's confronting them when they're trying to basically destroy like his Egypt city or whatever. There, so his mouth is like three feet in front of the rest of him as it's being constructed or destructed. That is um, the edge, though, where it's like obviously it's like the mouth is either meeting up or going away from the nose and the eyes. 
that is some clay right there. Um, that's really poorly done. This, the special effects in this must be awful. Yeah, they're terrible. And it's even worse than you think because... I don't know. I mean, it was 96. So what did they really have to work with? But they definitely could have been better. And there's so much of them. And they do such a poor job with set construction. I mean, seriously, it takes place on. It looks like they rented an office building and then that office building became like 17 different sets. And then it had a basement or they went into, I don't know, they had some place where they had a subway car. Maybe they were really in a subway. I guess that's possible. I don't know. It's just it's. This had okay, so let's let's just be let me be ridiculous for a second. Jurassic Park had a budget of sixty-three million dollars, right? In nineteen ninety what two when they were filming it probably. Um this has in roughly ninety-five when they're probably filming it, has a fifteen million dollar budget. And you're not and you're certainly not spending it on these actors. So You don't you think they could have done it back? Oh, not now. No. I don't know. I don't know that they tried, maybe. Okay. It's it's one of those things where I watch bad movies sometimes and I think, okay, I can see the passion of this person. We watched friend of the podcast and fellow podcaster Orion Wellmaker mm-hmm. loves the movie The Quad Dead Zone. Absolute garbage from an objective standpoint watching that movie. But when you read about the man that made the movie and you read interviews with him and you watch the movie a couple of times, it really has just like a genuine charm to it because you understand how much passion that dude had to put towards making this movie. And even though he wasn't super successful in the execution, you still feel the love that's there. I don't feel anybody cared about this movie they were making necessarily or understood what making a movie involved, maybe beyond just like people saying things into cameras. Right. Well, let's just let's go back to Farhad Man. So he had made one real, like, I don't know, real movie before this point right um which is he has a theme it seems returned to moon junction a sequel right. to to moon junction which is a terrible movie both right. of them yes right so he's 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 got a he certainly has um a type <clears throat> and i he, like he, look lawnmower man is the worst adaptation of a stephen king novel ever in has nothing to do with the Stephen King novel it's based on to the point where King sued I think to make them take his name off of the production art for it because it was Stephen King's lawnmower man and then he saw the movie and was like no that's not Stephen King's lawnmower man which is now why it's just the lawnmower man right so Uh a terrible movie that you then think needs to have a sequel made to it you know what's even worse is the Lomero Man video game is fucking awful too. Where was that released? It's on the Super Nintendo, I believe, or the mm. Genesis. I'm, I think it's Super Nintendo. Hmm. It's got segments where you're flying through VR, um, and so you're controlling. I don't know who. I guess it can't be Job. Whoever the hero is of Lomero Man, you're flying through like obstacles and around things and fighting off stuff in the virtual realm. That's the other thing, too, is that all these movies, this is where hacking movies fail. And this is why I actually had a pretty large amount of chagrin just at this topic alone, because I can't stand hacking movies because they're either way too. They're so it's something like. um, What is a girl with a dragon tattoo, right, where they try and get so into the weeds of the specifics of actually being a hacker. Or they're so ludicrous that they lose all believability. <clears throat> and anyone with any basic knowledge of computers, you know, it's like Sandra Bullock in um, the net getting mm-hmm. like this big, like MS paint pop up saying like access denied. And, you know, that shouldn't, not how shit works. So hacking movies tend to make me really angry. And 
this one made me really angry, but not because of how poorly it depicted virtual space, which it did, but just because it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Sci-fi horror, you know, I mean, that's my bag usually, but not, right. not, not, not in this case. Things and the, I don't think I've seen that many movies involving hacking, really. You'd be surprised. It's it comes up in a lot of movies because you know you watch espionage movies. There's so much hacking in espionage. Yeah, movies. true. Like everybody's always hacking some shit. So you 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 didn't really like Snowden, right? If I remember correctly, I think I thought it was okay. Yeah, it was like fine, but it was it like was, it was it was super boring for long stretches, and I didn't like the way. But that movie was actually probably more. That so that's the one where it's so precious about the idea of getting the hacking, quote unquote, right mm-hmm. that it just becomes a slog at times to watch this movie, because really, how interested are you ever going to be in watching some pasty sweatball like typing on a computer? You know what right. I mean? Right. Not to characterize hackers as pasty sweatballs because <laughs> I don't need my shit hacked. Right. But I'm just saying that typically when they present hackers in movies, <laughs> they don't present them as being these edgy you know debonair right unless whatever. you're talking about, have you ever seen black hat no i don't know what that is that is uh uh which 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 um yeah david hemsworth uh not liam chris chris hemsworth and i watched it like i think a month ago i just threw it on the background because i think it was on netflix or hbo or something and just like played it it's a terrible movie but it involves hacking like he's but he's 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 debonair and like you know sexy um because he's chris hemsworth but uh yeah bad movie terrible movie um i'm trying to look at other ones that i've i've seen hackers of course uh hackers they're portrayed as kind of cool you know they're sort of well he's zero cool so right you're right um the net, of course. War games. Did that involve hack? Technically, I guess. I mean, yeah. it's very, very rudimentary. You know. Yeah, sneakers. Right. I've seen sneakers. Um. Every time I think about hacking, I remember we were watching NCIS, maybe or CSI, maybe CSI, at at Heaster's house, and this is in maybe. <laughs> 2003 or four somewhere okay. there. all right and a scene came on where somebody had to hack something like their computer expert had to hack some system and heaster bledsoe harville all freaked out about how inaccurate this <laughs> hacking was and this is ridiculous that you know, like why is it? and every time i think about that i think this is why i don't watch movies with hacking all right Right, it makes sense. And I think about their reaction. Oh, after like think, scrolling a bunch, I finally found Lawnmower Man too. That involved like movies about hackers. There we go. Okay. All right. Yeah, I looked at about six movies that popped up when you Google that, mm-hmm. and then I don't even know how I came upon Lawnmower Man too, but I saw it and I was like, "That's it. That's my right. movie. I'm, I'm gonna make myself watch it." So the only other interesting thing through just my very quick research on all of this is Lawnmower Man 2 was New Line Cinema's top grossing movie of 1992. And apparently on the VHS release of it, they advertised Lawnmower Man 2, but called it Lawnmower Man 2 Mindfire. And then I guess they subsequently like changed the name to Beyond Cyberspace. I don't know if that tested better or something. But looking at New Line Cinema's 1992 releases, it's a little interesting that 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 Lawnmower Man, the original, was the highest grossing. Uh, it's the first movie that comes out in '92. After that, Deep Cover, then Year of the Comet, directed by Peter Yates, starring Tim Daly and Penelope Ann Miller, and then a movie called Some of This Makes Sense, I guess. Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. Then Poison Ivy. Poison then, Ivy was direct to video, though, wasn't it? It might have been, yeah. Uh, I'd have to click and like read. Uh, then Iron Eagle 3, 
which is Aces, Iron, Iron Eagle 3. Then a movie called Light Sleeper. So much of it, but that's a Paul Schrader movie that's Willem Dafoe and um, Susan Sarandon. Honeymoon in Vegas, Fire Walk With Me, and then the other ones, I guess, make sense. Mr. Saturday Night's a Billy Crystal, like, dramedy. Glengarry Glen, Glen, Glen Ross, um, Critters 4, that makes sense. Um, but there's some movies there that I would not think Lawnmower Man would be like the highest grossing out of like all those movies. But I wonder though, because I'm looking, and it made it only made thirty two point one million, and it's highest grossing. I mean, Glengarry Glen Ross only made ten point one million. Yeah, but this is what you have to consider. So I think I can speak to this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So 92 is right on the cusp of the explosion of the multiplex, right? Right. Somewhere like Cecil County, you know, where we had the Elkton movies four or whatever, they ain't playing Glengarry Glen Ross. You know what I mean? They're not going to play deep cover, but they'll play Lawnmower Man in addition to three other movies. And if Lawnmower Man is your horror movie choice, that's what you're going to go see. Yeah, it's like if that was the age where there, everything was a 16, 18 plex, whatever, 22 plex, Lawnmower Man would probably not have been as the highest grossing new line movie of that year. It would have been something that got a lot of Oscar buzz, like Glengarry Glen Ross, for instance, or something because 92, you're still a year and a half away from. We're about a year away from the death row stuff blowing up, right? So yeah. people aren't necessarily going to see Deep Cover, which you know has Snoop and Dre on the soundtrack. They're not really thinking about it. Plus, remember we were talking last week about just how shitty distribution companies were to movies that starred or produced by or directed by black um artists, you know. So yeah. that I bet Deep Cover got released on a Wednesday, and I bet it only released in, I'm going to guess, a thousand theaters. Let's see. No, it, not even that. I'll say 800 theaters. That's my guess. Okay. So just for context, um, in March of 92, here's what comes out um, that weekend that Lawnmower Man comes out. and gladiator comes out that week is that that, oh no that's 92 never mind um what gladiator is that i don't even know that one okay so yeah so gladiator blame it on the bellboy and a movie called once upon a crime which i don't think i know at all so yeah so that weekend is dominated by lawnmower man and then you get Howard's End. My cousin Vinny opens the following weekend, which you know makes fifty-two million. Um, so that's crazy. My cousin Vinny's like, not to me, but by many, is heralded as this classic comedy, and it only made twenty million dollars more than the Lawnmower Man total. And then Basic Instinct comes out the third week of March, which makes three hundred and fifty-two million dollars. Yeah, that's wild. That's like almost a billion. Right. Yeah. Well, probably like 700 million today. So do you want to know what day of the week, April 15th, 1992, which is Deep Cover's release date is? A Monday? It's, it's a, a fucking Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Okay. Of course it is. Okay. Fucking racist. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying is that. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's just not. It's one of those things where, you know, I went to see. I'm trying to think of a good example to this. If Lawnmower Man was released two years later, it probably would not have been as successful because there would have been so many of these other movies would have been more widely distributed. And that's kind of a dark era for in-theater releases anyway, I think. And that's kind of the the dark age of the movie theater industry in a lot of ways is the early 90s. So the people that were going to the movies were teens, early 20s people that were just going to find a place to like hang out. And so they get to go see a horror movie in the more liberal, like permissive days where you didn't really like card people or ticket, you know, like force people to have a parent or guardian. Like, of course it's going to make a lot of money. Right. And how much money did it make? What was his overall domestic 32 million? 
32 million was what it yeah was i mean that ain't shit like even in 92 32 million is sure sure kind of an abject failure it is march though i mean like how much money are you generally making january through march a lot of times I mean, right? that's true um with what little my knowledge that i know just from entertainment weekly and you but um you're not usually making tons of money i mean that's why like Basic instinct is so abnormal for our so releases. March is actually now Oscar buzz re-release season, and sure. you t- you you actually tend to get February and March are months where you'll have decent attendance. Sometimes but you make no money in the concession stand because all those people have gone to the store beforehand or gone to dinner beforehand, and they're just there to see the movie and get out. Like they're not standing in line forever to spend you know, $40 on snacks for their family. I mean, it's people coming in ones and twos. Yeah. And then more, I mean, who knows? It's nothing makes any money except for Spider-Man, I guess, for the most part. Sure. A billion in a pandemic. Crazy. Um, So just also for context, Lawnmower Man 2, which is a theatrical release. So it made 2.3 million. Opening that weekend along with it was, this will take people back that were alive during this time period, Biodome at 13 total, like, revenue, like, 13.5, not that weekend, exactly. Don't be a menace to South Central. Dunstan checks in, and then what ended up being the top-grossing move, 2F by C also comes out that weekend. This is a damn fight right here. And then um, Eye for an Eye ends up being the highest grossing movie out of anything that was released that weekend, which is the Sally Field, Kiefer Sutherland, like, stalker, intruder movie. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's garbage time. Yeah. Really. The weekend after that, From Dust Till Dawn comes out, makes 25.7, as opposed to Eye for an Eye's 26.7. The weekend after that, the highest grossing movie is Bed of Roses. Is that Christian Slater? I think so. Okay, I think so too. And uh, yeah, and Screamers is the only other notable movie out of oh, these. I saw that in the theater. Well, yeah, I saw. Um, I just saw From Dust Till Dawn, and that's it in the theater that month. But yeah, so. Orion asked me the other day if he should watch Screamers. Yeah. I recommended it. I watched, I forgot to tell you guys this. So I watched a movie the other day called Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, which is a Valley Girl-esque retelling of the Phantom of the Opera story with, again, some of the most ridiculous acting. But one Mr. Pauly Shore was acting in the movie, mm-hmm. but before he had adopted his hey buddy, like weasel persona. Right. Although he was wearing a t-shirt consistently through the movie that said the weasel. <laughs> it was funny to see him kind of developing his, you know, je ne sais quoi, like his artistic element in this this low budget film before he would become one of the greatest actors on the planet of the 90s. <laughs> So that's that's funny. I hate Pauly Shore like almost more than anything. He's one of the worst people. Hmm. Okay, so that was um that's interesting. It took us it yeah, I, I I like this as I'm doing quick research on things just because it takes us in so many different directions. Um we got Farhad Man yeah. and his fucking Forever Night. We got like some look into 92 and 96 like box offices and got some matt frewer and jim carrey controversy and um yeah so what was the chagrin scale here <clears throat> that you'll modify by the end of the year when you realize that it's either better or worse than the other things you've watched at this point it's probably uh it's got to be an eight because it was really hard to sit there and just watch it play out in front of me and it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, and it wasn't so offensive that it was unwatchable, but it was nigh unwatchable. And hold on, I thought okay, 
So the, the the highest, the higher it goes, the closer to 10 is the most chagrin. 10 is, I need to get really drunk to finish watching <laughs> that movie. Gotcha. And I'm probably not going to remember the end of it. Right. Okay. All right. I got gotcha. you. You you need to draw like a a face uh like a chart or like a glossary of faces to go along with the chagrins, uh and if because then you just need to draw like ten generic faces and it gives me something maybe to put on Instagram. Okay, I got you. Yeah, your chagrin faces. <clears throat> All right, so I'm updating my notes. A movie involving hacking is. Lawnmower Man 2. Okay. And is a 8 on the Shukrin scale. Okay. Awesome. You're going to keep track of that. Cool. All right. Okay. So, secret time, Frank. When we first, when we did the first spin, I forgot to put the sound in. So, from this point on, all right, we're going to, we're going to do it live. We're going to, we're going to do the spin live. Oh boy! Here, so you get to hear it too. All right. So, here wasn't go. the point that I didn't want to hear it? Horsing around is the category. <laughs> Horsing around. <laughs> oh man! So. Next week, I don't know what that'll. God, that could be taken so many different ways. I know it could be a. It could be the movie adaptation of Mister Ed. It could be or anything. Oh, you've seen that. So it could be anything involving a horse. It could also be something like (laughs) what mischief or like tomfoolery and or something. Right? Like Uh, there's not that many porkies, but yeah, point point taken. Yes. So okay, horsing around. I also may have seen all the Porky's movies too. <laughs> that's that. That'd be really unfortunate if that's the case. This is, but remember, on Saturday afternoons, Channel Fifty Four after the horror and the. Sometimes we would be at my grandmother's at a different time, and I would have to watch the afternoon movie of the week, which a lot of times was an edited teen sex comedy. Right. And so I've seen a lot of the Porky's movies for that reason with none of the bosoms. I actually don't think I've ever seen a Porky's movie in its its natural state. I don't think I've ever seen a Porky's movie with nudity. Um, I I would have in on like HBO or Cinemax or some shit at some point when I was a kid. But when I got into the point where we had those kind of channels, I wasn't watching shit like that. I was watching the horror movies and gotcha whatever so i'll I'll be honest i'm gonna be really disappointed at something like that because god i hate those movies those type of movies like so much and because like american because i hate those american pie movies and shit like that that's just the that's just the extension of those 80s type movies right american pie yeah i think the america i think american pie has a little more substance or something no 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 self-awareness mm-hmm. of what they are I, and it's but yeah they're it's essentially the same movies the movies that are really good in that respect and actually this is going to be crazy to say i can't believe i'm going to say this but you look at something like not another team movie which is maybe the most perfect parody of those movies ever that i don't know really gets any kind of respect but i mean if that's what you're looking for is the ultimate parody of that is not another team movie because American pie is an homage. It's not a parody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I hate, I don't hate stuff like scary movie and all that stuff. I mean, they have their moments at times, but Mm -hmm. they're always so on the nose because they're about something specific, (laughs) but not another team movie is pulling from 20 plus years of, you know, uh, tropes and whatever. So that's that's okay. It's not going to be that. I've seen that movie too, so can't can't watch it. 
before i really started keeping track of movies this is actually fascinating to me like in terms of box office type stuff like looking at 92 here is it's just sitting in front of the screen to me Be- no wonder there's so many sequels beethoven made 56.9 million total in the box office right what month did beethoven come out was it like a main april. movie april yeah that makes yep. sense it came out and it came out the same month as straight talk which Around this time, straight I was still, talk, I would, talk. I would still go and to the movies with my mom. Right. Sometimes me and my mom saw Straight Talk, talk in the straight theater. Talk, straight Talk, Yep. So I didn't see Beethoven until a VHS, but I saw Straight Talk at the fucking theater. Um, my mom's a big Dolly Parton work. She loved Dolly Parton. Um, yeah, and Beethoven was the largest of that entire month, like in terms of box office gross. Um, the player, which I don't know. Robert Altman? No. No, no. Um, what's his name? Uh, fuck. It says Black Comedy next to it. Is that? A player in 92? Oh, yeah, it is. You're right. It's the Altman yeah. movie. Oh, okay. I thought that was like 95 for some reason. Crazy. No, that's Pret-a-Porte. Mm, you're right. Yeah. Yep. That was number... That was number... Uh, where I lost my place. The player, player, twenty-eight million. Oh, that was number three, actually. Number two is Sleepwalkers. That's a horror movie. What's that? That's also loosely based on a Stephen King story, but not at all based on a Stephen King story. Gotcha. It's about a woman who falls in love with a guy who's a shapeshifter in the Southwest somewhere. Gotcha. And is having sex with his mom. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's a. It's. So. It, it, it anticipates it's not very good. spanking the monkey, then. Well, with a lot more death. <laughs> right. All right. And actually, um, a better movie, probably, because I hate spanking the monkey. Ah, spanking the monkey is a decent movie. Come on. I have no concern for that movie at all. I don't hate it. I just, it's whatever. Don't put that on a list. I don't ever want to watch that movie again. Oh, shit. Okay. See? Another, another, another score. Or um for that movies Frank hates list. There we go. This is how I get them out of you. Just just randomly naming movies. <laughs> Talking about straight talk, straight talk. We're gonna be uh, all right. We still we do first watch a straight. Well, second watch a straight talk. Have you seen Straight Talk? I must have. Yeah. My grandmother was also a huge mark for Dolly Parton. So yeah, there we go. I have seen the best little whorehouse in Texas like a dozen times in my life. So hmm. trust and believe. I've only seen that once. So Texas um, has a whole house in it. No, I, re- I remember there being some funny stuff in that though. So it's pretty funny. It's it's a good movie. Yeah. All right. Well, there is a wrap on the first episode of the Spin Chagrin as we meandered through '90s box offices and horror and the. Um, masterpiece that uh listen, Farhad man um directed listen to this funny piece of trivia mm-hmm. so the player was released theatrically on april 10th 1992 mm-hmm. however it was released in cleveland on april 3rd 1992 is there just some is this mdib where are you getting no, this, this, trivia is, this i'm getting this on wikipedia oh okay so, so some dude from Cleveland, like, it is, I, I know it's a dude, um, some dude from Cleveland went in to Wikipedia and is like, you know what? This is when it got released in Cleveland. Like, made that update. Is there is there a footnote next to it? Trying to read... I'm gonna I'm gonna find what you're referring to. Cleave. I don't know because it's in that little bar, so there's no footnotes in that little bar. So some somebody, some dude went in there into the damn like sidebar that gives all the pertinent information about this movie and is like, you know what? It's released in Cleveland a week before it got wide release in the United States. Deal with it. You know, you know, it'd be a really funny movie would be Robert Altman is trying to get across the country with the only print of the player to California 
and breaks down in Cleveland and has this madcap adventure for a week where he has all these hijinks occur and ends up showing the player his new movie to this group of friends that he's made in Cleveland and learns the true meaning of friendship as okay, a result. Look, look at look at your screen real quick. There's Robert Altman. He's dead, of course. Who do you cast as Robert Altman? <clears throat> I think he's dead too. The guy that you would cast. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what's his name? It's would be the guy that in Deadwood uh, that plays the brothel. Fuck. What what is that actor's name? Help me out. I the love. I played Al Swearingen. No, 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 no. The other brothel. The gambling oh, house oh, brothel. Oh, yeah. Cy Tolliver. Um, Powers Booth. Yeah, Powers Booth. Powers Booth would be a good Robert Altman if he wasn't dead. Right. Uh, you know who I say? Who? Bringing it around. Jeff Fahe. Isn't he dead? Nah. He should be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jeff Fahe is fine. Yeah. That's who I would. That's who I, I would cast. You just don't have to make him ball. It's basically the same dude. <clears throat> yeah, all right, cool. Looking forward to horsing around at not at all. Can I tell you a funny secret prior to the end of this podcast? Sure. I fucking hate horses. I hate movies that involve horses in any strong capacity. Yeah. Unless people are riding them to kill other people. And I don't know that that necessarily suits the purpose. So I'm going to watch a movie that would absolutely never be on my television. Right. For the sake of the spin chagrin. Yeah. So can can I can I ask you, have you seen the Bobcat Goldthwait classic from the 80s, Hot to Trot? Of course I have. Get out of here. Oh, come on. Is there a Dabney Coleman movie with horses? You're not allowed to influence my decisions. It's got to happen <laughs> in a vacuum. Uh-huh. <laughs> Stop trying to push me in some direction. I'll... Oh, he's also in Hot to Trot. That's why I'm thinking about that. Okay. I'll get there on my own. All right. All right. So horses next week or horsing around. Horsing around. Frank. All right. I'm leaving that option open. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. See you next week with horsing Deuces. around. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.